The Holy Gospel according to John, the 10th chapter. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life in order to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So have you noticed a theme today? Lots of talk about sheep and shepherds and flocks. And I think uh, we're, we have three paraphrases of the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's my shepherd, musically today. That's because this is uh, what is known as Good Shepherd Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Every year, the reading for Good Shepherd uh, Sunday is the, the gospel, or it's from the chapter that Jim read, read from the 10th chapter of the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. What I want to do today, uh, because that reading, the 10th chapter of John, comes before the events of Easter, it's while Jesus is teaching his disciples, I want to make some connections between that comment that he makes, I'm the good shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, with the events of Easter and even beyond Easter. And to do that, I actually want to have us turn to another chapter in the Gospel of John, which is the 20th chapter. I invite you to open this up in your Bibles. This is towards the end of the Gospel of John. It's on page 988. The 20th chapter is uh, John's retelling of the Easter story. And again, we find ourselves here uh, in the season of Easter still. It's 50 days. It's the longest season of the church here. And so in the 20th chapter, uh, we get all the events of Easter, which are going to be important to connect the, the sheep imagery back in, in a minute. So beginning of the 20th chapter, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb. She discovers it's empty. She invites the disciples to go, Peter and John go, um, and they discover it's empty. They're very confused. Uh, Jesus meets Mary. She doesn't know who he is. Uh, this is in verses 11 and following. And then uh, the first important part I want to lift up is, is verse 19. This is under the heading, Jesus appears to the disciples. And we're told, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked. Why? Because the disciples were scared. 
This is so important for us to understand what's going on with Easter is to get our heads in the minds of the disciples. Uh, you have to remember, first of all, the disciples are grieving, right? They have now seen their leader, their teacher, the person they love be killed brutally on the cross, and they have not behaved particularly well, right? Uh, Judas has handed over uh, Jesus in, in, into the authorities. Uh, Peter has denied knowing Jesus not once or twice, but three times. I didn't know him. He's not my friend. I wasn't with him. And all the disciples, all of them, except the women, actually, who come off looking a lot better, um, they abandon Jesus. They are not anywhere to be found. So the disciples go behind closed doors, uh, and they're scared of the Romans for sure, uh, because they're afraid they're going to be arrested and maybe killed. But they're also, and then Jesus appears, and I just want to again put yourself in the minds of the disciples. They are not expect. We've been celebrating Easter for two thousand years. We think, oh well, the disciples assumed he would come back. No, they didn't. I promise you. And when he does come back, if you're one of those disciples who's not behaved very well, what are you thinking? If it's me. I'll tell you what I was thinking. I'd be thinking, I'd be thinking, I'm in a lot of trouble. And this is not the primary message I want to lift up, but this is a really important theme of Easter, how Jesus rewrites the script of how the world works, right? If I let someone down, if I desert that person, if I disappoint them profoundly and something really bad happens to them, which happened to Jesus, and that person comes back, I'm going to assume that person is coming back for what? Revenge. He's going to come back to say, you are in a lot of trouble, Buster. What does Jesus say, though? Comes back to the disciples, the very next verse, he says, peace be with you. I am not here for revenge. I am here to rewrite the way the narrative of the world works. I'm here to tell you I love you. And then the very next line, chapter, uh, verse 21, he he says, peace be with you, and then he says, I've got work for you to do. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now that we're beyond Easter, I have work for you disciples to do. The disciples don't seem to get this quite, because if you turn the page, page 990, this is now chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. This is another post-resurrection account. Jesus appears to the disciples while they're doing what? Fishing. So apparently they have sort of reverted back to their old life. They haven't quite figured out, okay, what is this new work we're supposed to do? And three times, this is under the heading Jesus and Peter, beginning at verse 15, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me? Again, three times it's sort of understood to be a bookend to the three times that G uh, Peter denies Jesus. And three times Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And this is where we get back to that language of sheep. Good Shepherd Sunday. And so Jesus, not once or twice, three times responds to Peter by saying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He's telling Peter once more, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And, and he's reminded him, reminding him and the other disciples, I've got work for you to do. You now need to pick up the baton. You need to care for my sheep. You need to feed them. You need to tend for them. You need to feed them. Okay, so the disciples, the point is, an invitation for the disciples to work they're going to do. Now, I want to get to the last reading, which was the reading we heard from Acts in a second. Before we do that, though, a little word association. If I say, and I'm not looking for Easter bunny or eggs here, but if I say the word Easter, what's, what's sort of a primary image that comes to mind? 
This is not a hypothetical question. Empty cross, resurrection. <laughs> Easter Bunny is part of it, yes. Not the primary thing. So yeah, cross, resurrection. What I'm looking for is sort of, I, the, the big image I think of is the empty tomb or the stone rolled away. And all of those are good answers, by the way. There's not a bad answer. What I want to invite you, though, this morning to think about is that, for me, one of the most powerful and compelling images of the truth of the Easter story is observing what the disciples do before Easter and what they do after Easter. Again, it's sort of a reflected understanding of the power of Easter, but I think it's one of the most powerful ways we have to understand the truth of the Easter event, of the power of the resurrection. Again, before Easter, where are the disciples? They're huddled behind a locked door, scared to death for themselves, worried that they might get arrested, worried that they might be put to death. Now, our last reading for today, or first reading, but the last one I'm going to bring up is Acts chapter 4. This is not the only place, this is, but this is one of the most important places where we begin to see how the disciples have changed. Um, remember, they were worried before. This is 994 if you want to follow along. They were worried before about being arrested. Now they have been arrested. They've been in jail. And now they're going to be, this is verse 5, they're going to be put in front of this really powerful group of people. Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, all who were of the high priestly family. And they made the prisoners... Peter and John stand before them. Now, before Easter, what would the disciples have done? What would Peter and John have done? They'd have said, we are so sorry. You know, we know you killed Jesus to keep, in part to keep us quiet. We, we couldn't do it. We talked about Jesus, but it won't happen again. Sorry, apologies. Right? Is that what happens? No. They have completely been changed and transformed. And there they stand in the presence of these powerful people. And what do they say? They're unapologetic. Verse 10. If we, or verse 9. If we are questioned today because of a good deed done to someone who was sick and are asked how this man was healed, let it be known to all of you, all of you powerful people who have the power to do really bad things to us, and we're not scared of you, um, let it be known that uh, all, to all of you and to all the people of Israel, this man is standing before you in good health by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified and who God raised from the dead. The disciples are different people after Easter than they were, were before. Now, I want to draw us back to the very first reading we talked about, John chapter 10, where Jesus talks about himself as a good shepherd as a way of bringing this back to us now. Right? What does this mean for us? There is a verse in chapter 10 of John that says this, verse 16, I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. Now, Christians have always understood that verse uh, to mean, among other things, there are still people in, waiting to be invited into the sheepfold. There are still people be, waiting to be invited into this community, into this family. And it's our job here in this place, in this time, whenever that is, uh, to do the inviting. And so that's a reminder that uh, when Jesus tells his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I now send you, that's an invitation to us. When Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. That is an invitation to us. 
Every time we gather for worship, yes, of course, we gather in part to be inspired by the amazing, courageous, powerful witness of those first disciples, all of whom ultimately gave their lives for the message of the gospel. But we also come to be reminded, as we've said before, that we are now invited to participate in that ongoing story of extending God's love to the world. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and loving God, as we continue to celebrate the miracle of the resurrection and the power of the resurrection, we give thanks today for your first disciples who carried your message of love to the world and gave their lives in doing so. Today we pray you will give us the courage to also share that message with a world in need. In all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.